0: I just wanted to read a scripture right now in Luke 8. Um, And I I wanted to share this as the ushers come to receive this offering. And just as you're sitting there, the Bible says it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. Seven devils were cast out of her. Joanna, the wife of one of Herod's stewards, Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. And I thought about that, and I I thought about how, thank God for the, the discernment and the sensitivity that is in women to be able to recognize the needs that Jesus had. Thank God for the 12 men who went with Jesus and were there with him as he did these works. And together, the men and the women supported the work of Jesus Christ. But what stood out to me was that those who had an encounter with Jesus And they were the recipients of his mercy and his grace. Demons cast out. Infirmities healed. What did these women do? They used their substance to be able to support the ministry of Jesus Christ. That was their gifts, their monetary gifts and other provisions that they had that they know Jesus needed. And so this is not a new thing. It actually goes all the way back to the beginning of man when Abel would come and bring his offerings to God. And he was recognizing the goodness of God in his life and that it was God who made provision for him. And from Abel throughout every generation of people, there have been those who have had encounters with God who recognize that God was good to me. And God has sustained me and God has helped me. And out of that provision God gave them, they would give a portion of that to be able to honor the Lord. We call this a tithe. It's not an old covenant law. Moses didn't invent it. As a matter of fact, we find men and women tithing to God hundreds of years before the law of Moses would ever be given Abraham gave tithes to the Lord and he was 400 years before Moses. So the giving of tithes and offerings is not from the law, but the giving of tithes and offerings is from that innate understanding that God is to be reverenced and God is to be honored. And when these women had an encounter with Jesus and they were the recipients of his kindness To where their lives were delivered and healed. They followed Jesus around and out of their substance they gave and they supported him. I just want you to think about that. Because I would assume that almost every one of you in this room have had an encounter with Jesus. Where Jesus has brought a blessing into your life. And knowing Jesus the way that I do. And knowing the need of men the way that I do. I would probably understand That every one of you who have had an encounter with Jesus would probably say, what Jesus did for me, I could never repay him for it. And aren't you glad you didn't have to buy it from him because you couldn't have afforded it? But you would say the way Jesus Christ touched my life was far beyond anything that I deserved and far beyond any price I could pay. But it ought to be in you as it was in these women That out of my substance, I want to help support the work of Jesus Christ. And that's his church. That's our opportunity to give. And so I just encourage you this morning, out of your substance, to give honor to the Lord. And just to walk this year faithfully with God in your giving. And follow him. And be excited about the avenues that he has for you to give. God gives you a dollar And he says, give me a dime out of that dollar. Actually, the whole dollar is God's, isn't it? And he could say, give me 90 cents and you keep the dime. But he didn't. He just said, you give me a dime and you keep 90 cents. And maybe you'll give an offering as well. Isn't that wonderful of the Lord? Because he doesn't need your money to do what he does. He just wants your heart. And he wants your participation in it. And so that's his desire for your life. So... I just ask as you give this morning that you would really consider that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask and pray that you would move, Father, in this service, move in this giving right now. And I pray, God, for the glory of Jesus that we would give. That we would recognize that you have been good to us and you blessed us, God, in ways that we could never repay you and you don't ask us to. But, Father, you do invite us to join you. And to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. And what an honor that is. So we honor you this morning and bless you as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see on the screen, we have the ways you can give electronically. If you desire to give that way, please just feel free on your apps or your phones to do it. There's a drop box in the foyer. If you want to give on your way out, you can do that as well. Amen. And if the kids don't run the ushers over, we're going to let them go Um, out here on the side, please, for fireplace. Um, Anna and Henry called last night, said that they were not feeling well. And um, so we want to just pray God would heal them. And um, also uh, called Jonathan last night and said, Jonathan, would you lead worship today? Uh, My wife and... My kids are all in Colorado today, and um, Anna's not feeling well, so she's out. So we called Jonathan, said, would you lead worship today last night? And you did a beautiful job. Thank you. <clears throat> Praise God. There's a, there's a great anointing on, on your life, Jonathan, and we're just privileged to have you here with us. Thank you, you and Gabriella. Um also just wanted to, again, just thank you for leading worship Wednesday night. I thank you, Joe, for ministering that word. That was a great word, Wednesday night. Amen. And um, just again, we had a fabulous time in the Reggie Rex Center next door. Uh, we had our fellowship meeting and we ate and just had a, had a beautiful time. We're going to do that the second Wednesday of the month in February. Doors open at 630. Please come join us. And we're also going to have our ordination service on the 30th. And we're going to have our leaders breakfast on the 29th next door at at nine in the morning. Amen. So we're going to study a few things and I'm going to give you a Bible verse to turn to. Make take you a moment. It's Zephaniah. And so if you want to uh, find that in your Bibles in the back of the Old Testament. I want you to turn there and we're going to read a few scriptures. I wanted to make some comments about just these things that the lord has need of me and as we we begin this i just want to talk to you about it this way now i would i would say that all of you are here this morning because you have a belief in god and there is something in you that fears the lord and you would desire to honor god and i want to talk to you about something this morning And I might talk about this the next couple of weeks, maybe at least the next week. I want to talk about this. I'm not ashamed to talk about this. I think it is important. I think it is healthy and I think it is necessary. If I was a crook, I'd be ashamed to talk about it. If I was misappropriating the funds and misusing the money, I would be ashamed to talk about it. If I was involved in a church that wasn't involved in the work of God, I would be ashamed to talk about it. But because I'm a part of a church that has a heart for missions and a heart for evangelism and a heart for the harvest, a heart to show benevolence, a heart to give hospitality, a heart that cares for one another, a heart that looks out after the widows and the orphans, a heart that is committed to giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ both locally and around our nation and internationally, I am not at all ashamed to talk about giving today. I'm not at all ashamed to talk about it. The second thing I want you to understand is this. I by no means want your money. I don't get it anyway. All right? Many years ago, about 37 years ago, God asked me to serve him. You didn't. God did. And 37 years ago, I became the servant of the Lord. God takes care of me. And he may do that beautifully through through you guys. He may do it through other means, but God takes care of me. I serve the Lord and I just walk with God. So I'm not after anything that you have. And I've been with you for about 36 years now. And I think you understand that. And we're not trying to build beautiful cathedrals. Take a look around and see that. Um, so we want to do the work of God and we want to be good stewards of what God gives us to do it with. And we want to serve the Lord with all of our heart. So I want you to understand that. The third thing I want you to know is, is I want all of you to have the incredible delight and joy of really serving the kingdom of God. Because whatever you do in your life, if your priority is not the kingdom of God, then I can tell you this. You are not fulfilled and you're not really content and satisfied in your life. I promise you that. And I would be happy to meet with anybody that begs to differ. Bring your checkbook, bring your credit card bills as well. Because I'll prove to you from that you're not content and satisfied and happy. But if you're serving the kingdom of God and the Lord is your goal and you're putting everything you can into God's kingdom, your life is deriving incredible benefits. And the fourth thing that I want to say to you as I bring this message to you this morning is I believe that we are living in prophetic times. Now, I'm not going to say this to manipulate you because I don't need to do that. But I do want to say it to inform you that we're living in prophetic times And we are living in times, Zephaniah is going to tell us a little bit about that, but we are living in times upon whom the ends of the world have come. I don't say that we're living in the end times because there was a volcano and a tsunami in Hawaii yesterday, or because there are pestilences and pandemics around the world. I say that we're living in the end times because the Bible says so. And because the Bible says so, it's what I believe and that's enough for me. And because we're living in the last days and we're living in a prophetic fulfillment of time, I believe that it is very important that you make sure that your life support is God and the kingdom of heaven. In America, you have not had to have that worry. In America, you have had the luxury Of having jobs and having careers and having retirements. But if and we see changes beginning to happen not only in America and the world. It is possible that some of those things could change. It's possible. But the Bible says that it definitely will be the case in the days of God's wrath. And as we approach those days of God's wrath. We could begin to feel the struggle of that. So I say this to you today to put you on good ground and solid ground and biblical ground, okay? So that you can stand firmly in the things of God. You can protect yourself. You can protect your family. You can provide for yourself and provide for your family regardless of what might be going on in the economy or the nation or the world. You can live with a God who will be God in your life. So the first thing that I would say to you this morning is this, and it's very important. You need to be the kind of person who lives in such a way that the kingdom of God and the purposes of God find their fulfillment through your life. Think about that. You need to live in such a way and you need to be the kind of person who lives in such a way. That the kingdom of God and the purposes of that kingdom find fulfillment through your life. In other words, you become necessary to God's end times plan. When you become necessary to God's end times plan, then you're in a relationship with God where he is going to watch over you and provide for you. Now, we know... That God can do anything that he wants to do. And God can raise up a donkey to do his will. And God can do whatever he wants to do with me or without me. And there's a lot of truth in that. But there's not all truth in that. For example, we know that the Bible has said that God has chosen and limited himself to expressing his manifold wisdom through the church. The church is necessary for God to get his glory. God has put his name in the church and its essence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he he ordained us and commissioned us to go into all of the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. He chose the church to do that. That is us. That is us. And so we're necessary for that. God entered into a relationship way back thousands of years ago with a man named Abram. And in this relationship, God called him from his family. And he followed God from his family. And he walked with God wherever God was going to lead him. He took steps with God. He wasn't a perfect man and he wasn't a man without sin. But he did the things that God showed him to do and he believed the Lord. There was a particular time when... God was coming to examine the, the the sin that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Before God would go to Sodom and Gomorrah to deal with its sin, he stopped at Abram's house and he fellowshiped with Abram. And just before God was going to leave him and go to Sodom, the Lord said to the two that were with him, how can I do this and hide it from Abraham. For surely, and I love this, he will become. And God makes relationships with you, not simply based on what you have been and what you are, but knowing what you will become. And there's a desire in many of you to be more instrumental in the kingdom of God than you are. You just simply do not know exactly what you're supposed to do right now, but you are willing to do anything. You're in a good place because God knows what you're going to become and God deals with people in what they are going to become. And God said he will become a great and a mighty nation. Therefore, I am going to share with Abram what I am about to do. And God tells him, I'm going to Sodom and I'm going to destroy it. And Abraham begins this, this moment, his famous intercession, God for 50, you would spare the city. You have to be merciful for 50 people all the way down to 10 people. There wasn't 10 people in Sodom that were righteous. And so God would then bring the disaster. I remind you of another man by the name of Caleb. He was one of those who was delivered from Egyptian bondage. He was a friend of Joshua's and a friend of Moses. He was one of the 12 spies that would go into the promised land. And Caleb went into the promised land and he came to a place in that land that he loved. And he came to a mountain that he was fond of. And while he was there, he saw this and he claimed this ground for himself. And when he came back to Israel, crossed over with the other spies... And told Moses and talked to Moses about it. He claimed that land as his property. And through Moses, God gave a promise. And the promise that God gave was to this man, Caleb, who was about 40 years old. That when you go back into the land, I will give you this land and it shall be your inheritance. That man was then able to live For the next 40 years in the wilderness with a rebellious people, knowing this, I'm not going to die of cancer. I'm not going to die of diabetes I'm not going to die by war God's not going to forsake me I'm not going to be lost my family's going to walk with me out of here my family's going to claim their promise because God told me I would go back into Canaan and I would have this land therefore at 80 years old 85 years old Caleb was able to say to Joshua and Moses "God, that's my property God promised it to me I am as strong Today, as I was then. Here is a man who understood that there are prophecies and promises regarding my life that tie myself to the kingdom of God, and there are things that cannot happen to me because there are promises that must happen with me. That's a peaceful way to live, knowing that. That you are practically invincible because of the promises of God in your relationship with God. Another man is Elijah. And Elijah was given the authority to shut up the heavens. And so Elijah speaks this word of authority and he shuts the heavens up that it's not going to rain. And for years it doesn't rain. But Elijah said this when he shut up the heavens, he told the king, the heavens will not open up again except by my voice. What does that tell Elijah? I'm not going to die from the famine. I will not be a casualty of this. Many people are. Many people are going to die from thirst. Many people are going to die from hunger. But I'm not going to die Because it can't rain again unless I give the word. And it's going to at least be a few years from now before God wants that to happen. So here's a man who is tied to the kingdom of God. And there are certain things that depend upon his life for those things to happen. And the widow who fed him. Think about her. When Elijah shows up at her door and says, listen, give me something to eat. She says, I only have enough flour to make one more cake. And my son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. This is all the food I've got. And she says, he says to the woman, make the cake for me. And she made the cake for him. And Elijah gave her a promise that for the rest of the famine, your barrel will not empty. That woman, because of her relationship with the kingdom of God, by taking care of the prophet of God, who would live in her house through the duration of the famine, she was able to live in the assurance and the promise that the kingdom of heaven is going to keep me and my son fed because the kingdom of God is depending upon us to feed the prophet. And so I ask you, what is it about your life That the kingdom of heaven is being blessed by. How does your life fund the kingdom of heaven? How does your life support the kingdom of heaven? How does your life support missions? How does your life support one of the chief things that Jesus Christ entrusted us to do? And that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples of all men. How is your life directly involved in that? So that it matters to God that you are blessed. It matters to God that you are kept... It matters to God that you are provided for. It matters to God that you've got a job. It matters to God that you are successful. And I'm not talking about wealth, name it and claim it so you can buy this and you can buy that and you can, I'm just talking about my life is tied to the kingdom of God and there are things happening in the kingdom of God because God has given me the ability to support, to go and to give. And therefore you have peace knowing That your life matters to the kingdom. Now the beautiful thing is. Is that all of our lives can matter. We make a tragic mistake. When we think that the only people. Who are valuable to the kingdom of God. Are those people that are behind pulpits. Are those people who are called to foreign missions. Or to those people that have the privilege of being up on a platform and directing the church of God. They get to sing. They get to speak. Our Sunday school teachers. Our Bible college students. Our seminary professors. These are the real people of God that are making the difference. These are the people of God that are really helping out the kingdom of God in their generation in their world. That is a grave mistake to make. Regardless of where you are, if you are there by the will of God, it is as important to God as any preacher in a pulpit. Billy Graham may have had an extensive ministry. His ministry may have reached into the world for generations and generations. But I promise you this, he could have never accomplished that if he did not have successful businessmen and women who were willing to fund the crusades and the outreaches that God put in his heart to fund. And if it were not for them, there would have been no Billy Graham. It wasn't a one-man show, but it was people from the grassroots level all the way up. When the apostle Paul preached the gospel and he saw people saved and he saw multitudes saved and he even saw cities transformed. It was not Paul's idea that men and women would suddenly have this conviction that I have to quit my job and I want to go into ministry. Whenever I hear that, it turns my heart inside out, makes my stomach sick. What kind of impression have we given That if you got saved and you want to serve God now, you have to leave your secular professions to go into ministry. Where is that in the Bible? But rather in the Bible, we find that a spiritual person, regardless of where they are or what their vocation is, is doing what God has given them to do with all of their might to the glory of God and to the furtherance of his kingdom. Not everybody can go. But people can send, and not everybody can send, but everybody can go. Some people can go. And it's the senders and the goers that make it all happen. How shall they call upon Jesus if they've not heard of him? And how will they hear about Jesus if there's not a preacher? And how will there be a preacher if there's nobody to send them? The senders are as important as the goers. And we need to understand that as the people of God. And because you got saved and you want to do something wonderful for Jesus and meaningful for the kingdom of God, it by no means implies that you have to stop doing what you're doing in your secular fields of work and careers so that you can do something meaningful for God. Unless you are doing something that is sinful and against God's word, you can be right in the center of God's will. As a matter of fact, you're reaching people that will never go to church. They will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ except through your life and your testimony. And I just pray that you would understand that. And I pray that it would be a blessing to you to understand that. I honestly believe, I I said this a few weeks ago, a month ago in our nine o'clock service, that I believe God sends his best people into the secular world. I think he chooses his worst people to be ministers in his church. But he sends his best into the secular world where the testimony of Jesus Christ has to be consistent from day to day, today, day, to day, to day. And everybody needs to see the demonstration of Jesus. But he takes people like me and he says, I'm going to hide you in the church because you're just such a mess up all the time. And my people will be merciful and gracious on you. But that world needs to see a good representation of Jesus. So I'm going to send Patrick out there. And I'm going to send others out there, Michelle out there, and I'm going to send others out there, Mike, and you're going to go out in the world where the lost are, and you're going to be a great light for me. And it's a beautiful thing that God has designed and that he has desired. And I just pray that you understand it. So hopefully by now you've found the text, Zephaniah. you probably have forgotten about it. I didn't. We're still going there. Zephaniah 1:14. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Now it was near in the days of Zephaniah. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of Of the trumpet and alarm speaks of war against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men. I think we're seeing the the beginnings of that. Because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. In the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 49. And I want to read this. It's regarding a day as well and the attitude of men. And I believe this is certainly typical of an American attitude, if you will. In Psalm 49, I'm looking at Psalm 49. I'm thinking, oh Lord, this is not it because I'm in Isaiah 49. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I can't remember the last time that happened to me. Okay, Psalm 49. <clears throat> Hear this, all you people. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world both low and high, rich and poor together. So this is the world, all right? All the Are you an inhabitant of the world? Yeah, you are. That wasn't a trick question. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp, wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? And there's a place, there's a way you can live. So you don't have to fear in the days of evil. When the iniquity of my hills shall compass me about. They that trust in their wealth. And boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them. Their wealth and their riches. Can by no means redeem his brother. Nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he sees that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Now, here's what men think. This is the thought of man. And I believe this is an American thought. Verse 11, their inward thought is that their house shall continue forever. And their dwelling places to all generations. They even call their lands after their own names. They don't understand. They're going to die. They're going to go to the grave. And eventually somebody else is going to get that land and that property. Or something's going to be done with it. But here's the thought. Here's the secret thought of men. Even you guys, when you read this and you listen to this and me. This is the secret thought of men. Okay, days of trouble may come. Days of wrath are prophesied. Difficult days, evil days, hard days, troubled days are prophesied that they're coming. As a matter of fact, Jesus said even the days would become worse and more difficult. And persecutions and tribulations will rise. We get all of that. And there's coming a day when your gold and your silver will not help you. We get it. Okay, those days are coming. But it's not going to happen to us. That's a hundred years from now. That's another generation away. And that's what we do. That's what every generation does. In my lifetime, I watched Venezuela change from a very successful and rich and beautiful nation into one stricken with poverty. And I'm sure just even the generation that would watch the transition would have never imagined it was possible that our country would be facing what it's facing today. And we as Americans, we think there is no way things like this could ever happen to America. We're America. America. As though that were heaven. And the last time I looked outside and rode on these roads, they're not streets of gold. They're streets of potholes and cracks and flooded ditches and trash everywhere. This is not heaven. It can happen here, guys. But for us as the church of Jesus Christ we are able to live in such a beautiful place and in such a beautiful way that whatever is going on in the world, we have a provision from heaven itself. And I don't have to be afraid. God is a God who can take care of me. And what a beautiful promise that is. And I don't want to be the kind of person. I hope I never see it. I hope I never see that. But I certainly don't want to be the kind of person that goes around in my heart thinking that I have some entitlement to some special way of life that really for a drop in the bucket of human history have men experienced the way we get to live. I want to have a heart that has some stability to it and some reality to it. And when the word of God speaks to these secreted inward hearts, I want to judge my heart. And I want to see, is that the way my heart thinks that this will never happen to me? And to think that it could happen to me does not cause me to want to live in fear. It doesn't cause me to want to hoard. But it causes me to want to live in such a way that I'm in relationship with God and with his kingdom. So that even in difficult days, I don't have to have the gold and the silver. I've got the God. And the God has a work to do in the earth. And I'm a part of that work. And he knows that I give. And he knows that I tithe. And he knows that I support missions. So God's going to keep it coming. So I can keep it going. Scriptures testify to that. So there was a man. At one point in his life. He was very, very successful. And when he considered his success. He realized that I'm so successful. I don't have the ability to store everything that I've got. So I'm going to tear down my barns and my granaries and my storehouses. I'm going to tear them down and I'm going to build back bigger and better. And I'm going to take all of this surplus and I'm going to put it in there. And he did it. And he built these new places and they were big and they were better. And he filled him up with all of his provisions. And he said to himself. Soul. You are well provided for. For the years to come. You have nothing to worry about. Relax. Eat. Sleep. Be merry. And God says. You fool. Tonight. You die. And all of that belongs to someone else. And I'm talking to you right now out of Luke 13 or Luke 12. And I want to read a passage here from Luke 12. And I want you to see this with me. But that is a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. And he says, not only is that man a fool and his soul is required of him. But he says in verse 21, this is for everyone. This is Luke twelve twenty one. This is everyone who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? It really is. It really is. So Jesus says, listen, don't take any thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you will wear. Come on. You can't be serious. And which one of us obeys that? We think about it all the time. We fret and we worry and we stress over it. And Jesus says your life is more than that. It's more than what you eat or what you wear. It's not your life. Consider the ravens. Your father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field. Solomon didn't look as glorious as them in all of his splendor. Consider the grass, how in a day it withers. And your life is much more valuable to God than the ravens and the lilies and the grass. But yet your father feeds the ravens. And your father closed the lilies. And how much more valuable are you? Will he not take care of you? So now it's a question of faith. Can you believe that there really is a personal and intimate God. Who genuinely loves you. And genuinely cares about your everyday life. And knows that you need to eat. And he knows that you need to be clothed. And he knows that you need to be provided for. And he promises to do it. But who really believes that? And we struggle to believe that. I will be honest with you. That's why we need a message like this. And so he goes down and he says this in verse 29. And seek not what you shall eat or drink. Don't be doubtful mind. Because this is the way the nations of the world live. This is what they seek after. Your father knows that you have need of these things. I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful of God. So this is what he tells us to seek instead, but rather seek you the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not. Where no thief approaches nor moth corrupts. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. And do all of this with your loins girded about and your lights burning. As men who are waiting for their Lord when he'll return from the wedding so that when he comes and knocks, you can open immediately to him. Live that way, Jesus says. So he talks about giving alms and he talks about seeking the kingdom of God and he talks about those things. And I just wanted to tell you what I think is beautiful that God gives us the ability to do in a community of believers. So we are a local church. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ in Baton Rouge. We're not it. We're part of it. We're not the only believers in town. And all of the believers in Baton Rouge are part of the body of Christ in Louisiana. Which is part of the body of Christ in the United States. Which is part of the body of Christ in the world. Which is part of the body of Christ in heaven. We're inseparable. Distance does not separate us. And so here in this church and in this fellowship, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Holy Spirit puts you in the body where it pleases him. This thing today, where people are going around from church to church to church to what do you have for the youth? What do you have for the old people? What do you have for the fat people? What do you have for the skinny people? What do you have for the angry people? What do you have for the addicted people? What do you have for the messed up people? What do you have for the beautiful people? What, all of the, and then I'm going I'm to like a buffet, and I'm going to choose. No, 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 no. The only question: Where does it please you to put me? And then, with all of your heart and your might, you serve him. And the Holy Spirit moves you. You know that. For some of you, you're here this morning because maybe the Holy Spirit's putting you here. If he's putting you in another church, that's where you need to be. It would be wrong to be here. So he puts us in the body of Christ where he wants us to be. And we are in a community of believers where we get to do incredible things to serve the kingdom of God. We have incredible opportunities and avenues of giving alms, helping the poor, going into the prisons, taking and caring for homeless, just like Jesus Christ said we need to do. And he said, if you do these things, what are you doing? You're building up treasure in heaven, right? So when we're a part of a community of believers and we have an opportunity to give into that, which is taking that and giving it out then we are participating in things that involve the kingdom of God and we are necessary in a way for its success and therefore we are able to move with God's kingdom and have God's kingdom upon our life we're actually involved with it we don't all go but we help people go and sometimes we're the ones that go and somebody has sent us but we're all in it together and I just wanted to let you know what your giving does. Alright? This is what your giving supports, and this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure I've missed left out a ton of things that people will remind me of. Through your giving, I'm just talking about some carnal things as well as spiritual. Your giving supplies napkins, plates, cups, toilet plate paper, which we needed a lot a few years ago, whereas uh Where is it? Kleenex and tissue. Buildings. To meet in. To fellowship in. To teach in. To educate in. Electricity. Water. Plumbing. Utilities. Cleaning. There are people that actually come in here and clean this up. So it's nice for us the next time we come back. Clean the bathrooms. So you can sit on clean commodes. Whatever. I'm just going to stop there. (laughs) Insurance. Music equipment, maintenance. Any of you homeowners know there's always maintenance? Something's leaking, something's broken, something needs to be fixed. Heating and air. Resources for members and guests. Sound systems, yard maintenance, security systems, tables and chairs, laundry, cleaners, disinfectants, gas in the church trucks, Materials for various ministries, literature of all sorts. Those are just carnal things that help the church on a day-to-day basis that you pray. You don't come drive up to church with your roll of toilet paper in your hand. Because you give and the church is able through us to provide these things, right? I mean, we don't think about that, you know. You don't have toothpaste in the bathroom because you don't come here and brush your teeth. But it's things that serve you right so local things that we do with our outreaches and we help and we support and we give esl classes lsu outreach southeastern outreach international dinners and and i hope we begin a southern outreach international dinners and outreaches the right to life abortion prayer meetings at the abortion clinics missions such as all for christ missions The Hill, which is Christy Furlow's ministry in St. Francisville, discipleship groups, singles, young adults, young couples, fellowships of all sort, fireplace ministry, Sunday school classes, community outreaches, prison ministry, Spanish ministry, single moms ministry, which is being started up, ladies ministry, men's ministry, retreat, greet teams, nursery provisions and workers. Arise in prayer and encourage conferences throughout the year. Anthem ministry. Social media and live streaming media. Helping the poor. Marriage counseling. Benevolence within our body. Paying bills. Helping people make ends meet when they're going through a tough time. Political and legislative work at our state capitol. Music ministry, helps ministry to the widows and orphans, grief ministry, sick and shut in ministry, hospital ministry, funerals, weddings, struggling marriages, feeding families. Your giving makes that we couldn't do it without you. And then ministry abroad, outside of of our city and our church, we minister to over 275 pastors and churches every month. We have ministers' fellowships, both locally and nationally, involved in fighting sex trafficking, supporting orphanages in Alabama, Louisiana, Moldova, Africa, Ireland, Central America. Mission outreaches that we are in constant communication and help with is Spain, Dominican Republic, Peru, Morocco, the 1040 window, Egypt, Turkey, Africa. Moldova, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Thailand, Pakistan, Hungary, Germany, Belgium, Jewish communities in the United States, Indian reservations in the United States. Helping and assisting in the pioneering of new churches in unreached countries, supporting counseling hundreds of churches in the United States. Missions in India, Chile, Colombia, the School of Christ International... Hosting and attending and participating in conferences, fellowships and retreats nationally. Mail outs to Karen, the Karen refugees in the United States, Israel, family research council, just to name a few of these things. And so when when Jesus says that, are you rich toward God and you're a person who's in church and you're saying, you know, I faithfully give of my tithes and offerings and I give to missions That I would say to you, according to the scriptures, about helping the needy, being hospitable, giving alms, taking care of the poor, bringing the gospel of Jesus wherever we can. And you're a person who gives of your tithes and your offerings on a faithful and regular basis. I would say to you, according to the scriptures, and you're doing this in faith, you are building treasure in heaven and you are building a wealth toward God and God sees it and God recognizes it and when God understands that your life is totally connected with him and everything that happens with your life and everything that goes on with your life is God first, the kingdom first how can I bless the kingdom, how can I help the kingdom everything I do is for the kingdom of God then I promise you, you have entered into a relationship with God that he takes notice of you because you're a co-laborer with him And what he's doing in the world. And God is going to give attention to your life. And God is going to help you. And watch over you. Because God knows that you are demonstrating faithfulness. And the invitation is to everyone. And praise God for his grace. Because maybe we would say you know what. I wasn't really faithful last year. I wasn't really faithful in my tithes and my offerings and my giving. But no, I realize now that I really do want to be faithful to God. I want to make the kingdom of God my life and my energy. And I want to serve the king because I love him. And I want to live by faith. And I don't want to live worrying what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear. And all God knows I have need of these things. If my roof's leaking at home, God knows that. He'll give me wisdom to take care of it. It doesn't mean these things are neglected or ignored. But it just means that my Priority is God and I am God's priority. Isn't that the way you would want it to be? That I don't have to live like the rest of the world lives. Worrying about all this stuff as though God doesn't exist. And so the invitation to give is an invitation of God's grace to partner with him. And the wonderful things that he's doing in the world. And your life can make a great difference. Everybody can give. And until you stop believing the lies of the devil that have deceived you and connived in such a way that has made you believe that I cannot afford to give to God. You have to break that agreement with the devil and you begin to give. I have never in my life and I've been in the church since I was born and I've never in my life met a person who ever griped publicly or even to me in privately that ever since I started tithing I've been cursed. Never met anybody. I've met a lot of people who have said, you know what? When I started giving, the heavens opened up. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. But that is testimonies that I've heard. But your goal is not so the heavens open up, right? Your goal and your desire is, I want to serve the king. I want to serve the kingdom. So I close with this. There was a time Jesus was when he was here. And he was walking along the Sea of Galilee. And there's some men... And they're out there on the side of their ships washing their nets. They had fished all night. And Jesus comes up to him and he says to Peter, he said, Can I use your boat to speak to the crowd? There were so many people pressing in on him. So they said to Jesus, Yes. And so Jesus got in his boat, pulled off just a little bit from the shore, and Jesus spoke to the crowds. This was their business. They lent it to Jesus and Jesus took their business and from it spoke to the people and ministered when Jesus was finished. He asked Peter, how was your night? And Peter said, it was awful. We fished all night and didn't catch anything, nothing. Jesus said, Peter, let's take the boats out. And let's let down your nets again. And Peter pushes back. Because Peter's the fisherman. Jesus is the carpenter. I know a little bit about fishing, Jesus. We fished all night. They're just not, well, I don't know, netting. I don't know. I was going to say biting. But you caught them in nets back then. They're not netting. They're just not there. But because it's you, I'll do what you say. So Peter loaded his boats up and they went out back onto the sea of Galilee, which you don't fish during the day. Nobody did. And Jesus takes them out there and he says, cast your nets over here on this right side. And they did. And they caught such a harvest of fish. They had to call other boats out to help them bring it in. And in a moment, because of relationship with Jesus, their business, which was unsuccessful through the night, suddenly became extremely prosperous. So here's a man who used his business to help the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus, recognizing that, and will be no man's debtor, says, you let me use your business for my ministry, I'm going to bless your business now. Let's go out into the Sea of Galilee and I'm going to give you a great catch. And what men tell you cannot be done and what men say cannot be successful, I will do it. Because you have joined yourself to me. And not only in a personal way, but in a business way. Those men took their businesses and they served the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God prospered them. And we're living in a very unstable world. And beloved, I would say to you that one of the best things that you could do is have a faith in your father. That he will take care of your life. And let your business, let your job, let your life, let your income. Be prioritized to expanding the kingdom of God and serving him. And you will live a blessed life. And in the day of trouble, your father will. He's going to take care of you. Now he'll take care of us all, but there is a blessing for those that have been faithful in all of that time. I want you to stand with me, and I just want you to consider this morning where your wealth is and what it is. The beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the heart of our Father. It's not how we start, but it's how we finish. Now, if I was after your money, I would probably say to you this, something like this. If you haven't been tithing, you need to total up everything that you owe God and you need to give it to him. But that's not grace. That's manipulation. So I say to you that if you haven't been faithful in your giving... You haven't been tithing. You haven't been a part of the work of God in the kingdom of God to repent. Ask the Lord's forgiveness. Let him wipe the slate clean and begin today to walk in faith. Join yourself to the kingdom of God. And whatever blessings come into your life, let them come through your life to bless. And aren't you glad? That you're in a fellowship that is doing so much locally, nationally, and around the world. That in itself is a miracle. It's it's a miracle. And we want to continue to do that for the Lord. I'm thankful that I'm able to tell you today, there was nothing last year that we had to say no to God about. We can't do that. We were able to do everything he set before us to do. But maybe because God only asked what he knew we were willing to do. Maybe God would have asked us to do a lot more if our hearts were a lot more open. So can we do that this year? Can we just open our hearts to God? And can you put yourself in a place with God where... You're joined to his kingdom and you're joined to his kingdom work, whether it's through giving or going or sending or whatever it might be. I'm going to invite you to the altars. I'm going to invite you to just sit before God and just wait upon the Lord and just you and God do business with the Lord. These altars are open, not for just people who have sinned or people that have backslidden and they're getting right with God. The altar is where men and women of God met with the Lord. They just went and did business with God. They gave themselves, and they prayed, and they sought the Lord. So just make an altar where you are, and let's just worship the Lord. And maybe together, if you're here as a couple, a family, just pray together. How is your family serving God? How is your family a part of his kingdom? And don't have that attitude in your heart from Psalm 49 that ain't nothing going to happen to my house, nothing's going to happen to my job. I'll never know hard times like that. Don't let that be in your heart. I pray that we don't, but don't let that be in your heart. Rather, let your heart rejoice that you're trusting in the Lord. For you are our source and our joy and our fulfillment, Lord. And I thank you that you have made us kings and priests unto you. And we get to serve your kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that the value of your servants are not found in those who are behind pulpits or serving in the spotlight of ministry or serving on a mission field. But the, the people of ministry or are, are those that are walking in your will, if they're teachers or engineers or electricians or plumbers or school teachers, whatever they may do, professional people. Those that are laboring and working hard, God. Oh, Father, those are your people. Those are your servants. Those are your beautiful servants who are doing your will, God. And I just pray your blessings upon them. And I thank you, Lord, that you have sustained us through the pandemic. And I thank you, God, that you have sustained us through jobs closing and having to stay out of work and things of that nature. Thank you, Father, you'd bless those this morning who are looking for work. Father, that they would join themselves to you in a commitment, Father, that their work, their income, their priority would be you and your kingdom. And that you bless them, Father. Come on, let's just seek the Lord for a few minutes this morning. Thank you for being here today. Let the Lord now minister. This is the moment he's been waiting for. Just to be able to touch your heart.